Uh, just recently, I went to New York City for a vacation, and what prompted that vacation was actually Kyle Turner. Friend of the podcast, presumably Kyle Turner? Yes, uh, who I used to get into fights all the time with, and I still do every once in a while, but like, it's okay because we basically come to terms with the fact that we're essentially parodies of each other. Um... <laughs> I think that may require a little bit more soul-searching than you're letting on. (laughs) No, like, I'm fairly confident we're, like, parodies of each other. It's ridiculous. But Kyle was putting on a reading of a musical for his birthday, and I found a $99 flight and decided, fuck it, I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to be in a musical, and it was kind of delightful. Um, No, it was actually incredibly delightful. It was, like, really really wonderful and fulfilling and i've realized i kind of live for applause uh, much like lady gaga does yes absolutely now jb i am a, i am a fucking dunce when it comes to musical theater so what play did you put on uh we put on steven sondheim's company oh uh, there we go you and I, I know for a fact that you like this play yes it's it's my favorite musical i believe it's also kyle's favorite musical and it was um it was a really it was a really wonderful intimate situation where like it was like 20-something people in an apartment together, some of which were performing, some of which weren't, and like most of which were, because it's like a 14, 15-person cast. And it was just really fun to sit there and like some of us over like the songs, some of us over like a karaoke backing track, some of us a cappella, just like sing all of these songs together. And it was like, it's very cool to be part of a musical when you like love musical theater and you haven't done it since like ages ago and it's um i don't know it's really weirdly fulfilling and also i had a lot of sex in new york and i feel like that ties into like that ties into this story this film very well it's like sex and musicals i'm on theme today sure I can't wait to hear more of Juan's fuck stories. <laughs> I'm, you know, that's 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 my life. Um, but we're not gonna talk about fuck stories today. We're just gonna talk about the fact that I had lots of sex and it wasn't with a lot of little old ladies. <laughs> Good lord. So welcome to episode 33 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gane, and the man who had sex in New York is Juan Barkeen. Say hi, Juan. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I love that, like, the man who had sex in New York. It's like, that's that's like a 60s, like, movie title. <laughs> that sounds like a parody of a 60s movie title. Like, the man... I know, the ma- I love The that. man who got laid in New York. The man with the golden dick. Um... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Gold <No>. finger. <laughs> so instead of, regale- instead of uh, turning this into Juan's fuckpod... We're going to talk about a movie, which is what we do here on this show. So this was Juan's pick. After inflicting venom on him last time, he decided to inflict something on me. What did you make us watch this time, Juan? I chose Susan Stroman's adaptation of a wonderful musical by Mel Brooks called The Producers, which is also based on a wonderful movie by Mel Brooks. Called The Producers? Yeah. (laughs) You know what this movie produced? Yawns. (laughs) Yawns. <laughs> um, I disagree, but you know. No, nah, that's 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 facile and not in the spirit of this podcast. I mean, I like some things about this movie, but I get the feeling we're going to disagree mostly. I who knows? Anything can happen on Broadway. Uh, I'm stuck in the middle with you, is what I was gonna say. 
But, you know, good luck, Derek. Yeah, so as Juan said, this is the film adaptation of the musical adaptation of Mel Brooks's The Producers. Yes. Uh, which is, like, not an uncommon thing that happens. No. You look at, um, I like, my always, my point of reference is usually Hairspray, because uh, there's obviously John Waters' original movie, then there's the stage production musical version, and then there's... Then there's the film adaptation. Musical film adaptation, which came out, like, I think a couple of years after this one, actually. And, and then inevitably there's, like, a, a Glee episode or something. Well, you know, like, I don't need that brought up, Derek. How dare you? I don't know if there's a Glee episode on, on Hairspray. I don't. I mean, there Glee. probably is. I don't, I don't know. Watch I Glee. didn't watch all of <laughs> Glee. Fuck? I feel like they probably used some kind of song from that. At some this would have been actually a better joke if we would have gone with Rocky Horror, because there's the Rocky Horror Show, which goes into the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which goes into the Glee shit, which goes into the remake they did with Laverne Cox. There's so many layers. There's a, there's a lot of... There's like... Like, for this, the producers is two full nested departures from reality. So, one, I'm going to need a guiding hand. What the fuck is the producers about? Um, The producers is about a Broadway producer named Max Bialystok, who continues to produce a bunch of flops, and mm-hmm. his accountant, Leo Bloom. More who... like Bialystok. Wow. You yep. know, choices. You made a choice. <laughs> yep. I Leading into it. <laughs> um... And his accountant, Leo Bloom, who shows up and tells him that... Not to be confused with the dude from, uh, from, um... Fuck, what's that James Joyce book with Leo Bloom in it? Um, I know which one you're talking... Isn't it, um... It's the big one. The big... Is Ulysses? Yeah, <laughs> no. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it Ulysses. Is. It is, it is, it is. We're unread and uncultured. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it's like, I'd rather die than read... <laughs> You'd rather die than read Ulysses? Honestly, yes. Oh God, I'm Juan, sorry. No. I don't have. You're gonna I'm... get the lip. People are gonna stick the lid hounds on us. I don't give a fuck. I'm the worst English major in the world. I'm never gonna read fucking Ulysses, and that's okay. Oh, but you man. know what? I am gonna fucking read? shots fired right right at the beginning of the pod. Fuck you, James Joyce. Fuck do I care? Uh, man. He's dead. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he's dead like my spirit. Um... Oh my God, this is not how I think this episode was gonna start. <laughs> <laughs> um i feel like shitting on on art wow. is absolutely how this this, this podcast should start Whoa, we're talking about okay. we're talking about flops you know and uh yeah by i no suppose means, so by I no means so. is 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 ulysses a flop <laughs> i think in its time it was not super well received but it's aged into like a modernist classic well so has the producers by Mel Ooh, Brooks. no 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 anyway <laughs> Um, so his, his accountant, Leo Bloom, Mm. who has numerous anxiety issues, um, shows up and basically proposes that a Broadway producer could make more money off a flop than he could with a hit. Yeah, by overselling. By raising too much money for the production and then basically just fucking riding away with the cash once closing night i mean it once well opening and closing night happens in the same night <laughs> uh yeah and then unfortunately they get uh shit happens shit happens they find out that uh, about uh, the magical power of the so bad it's good performance yep which is magnificent in this movie i will say i figure like i figure in like the diegesis of this film like like this is set i guess in like the early in like the late 50s i want to say um i guess so yeah 
like the like the real midnight movie shit hasn't happened yet it's still like maybe 20 years on so they don't know better like Eraserhead hasn't happened and Rocky Horror hasn't happened so there's no notion of the so bad it's good sort of communal viewing right yeah because it's all been just so bad it's bad people walk out of the theater if mm. something is a poor performance blah 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 We'll get to the we'll get to springtime for Hitler in due in due time. <laughs> springtime for oh, Hitler please, please. and Germany. The Nazi shit has aged so bad. I, you know, I understand. Like ten years ago, we could just make fun of Nazis, and now they've become just like a daily scourge. I mean, we still can make fun of Nazis, and we should make fun of Nazis every single day that we can. I mean, sure, all giant but pieces of shit. Yes, but... I I agree, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of reveling in in a way that I don't think people do now. Fair, fair. Because all I wanted to see was like like Stone Cold Steve Austin run up the aisles and just start stunning all of the people on stage. Yeah. <laughs> By God, that's Austin's music fifty years ago. Oh my God, you're ridiculous. So, so the producers. The producers. Um, where do we start? Where do we start? Where do we start? I want to start with a formal thing. Okay, go ahead. I don't think filmed musical theater works for me. Uh, okay, okay. I'm glad you added for me. I was about to be like, excuse me. Uh... <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying it doesn't work for some people because clearly it fucking worked for you. It works for a lot of people. I think like a decent amount of people. I mean, it has a 50%. It worked for half of the people. It worked for, yeah. But <laughs> the thing is, it's like the problem is not that it's a shot play. The problem is that the performance are still pitched at a theatrical level. Okay, yes. Right? I okay, well not I don't think everyone does. Not I think everyone does. Some of but... the actors are much better at balancing the notion of like film versus stage. But I feel they're like bit players, the ones that do. Mm, like No, I think Nathan Lane's good enough at it. Not always. Let me take this moment uh, before I start dunking on the parts of this movie that I didn't like by saying that this is by no means the fault of the god, the legend, the myth, the man, Nathan Lane. He really is like a, he's such a magnificent actor, and like I'll always stand by this to my death. He's real good. Yeah, no, incredibly um, so. He kind of gives like I think we were talking about this in the Slack. Like he gives kind of like a like like a, a swagger to the Zero Mostel role. Yeah, right? like he just has such a different presence than Mostel does, and like that's something I actually would like to talk about before we get into uh, our other protagonist. Is that like I think this movie kind of suffers from the fact that everyone unfairly compares it to the original film when it's arguably a very very different product it's like a different take on the same material but characters are characters you know yes and again that said i do think that broderick is trying somewhat too hard to be wilder yeah yeah it's like a cover version of the gene wilder uh, performance but I think he shines a lot when, in certain musical numbers, because he's a good stage performer. It's like, that's that helps him a lot. He's very good during the musical numbers, and I think he's really good when he has calmer moments, and he's not trying to, like, camp it up. Well, when he's not trying to do Gene Wilder, like, yeah. to, to my point earlier, it's like, everything is pitched so high. Yes. So, like, right off the top. So when when uh, Broderick's having his panic attack, it's like, okay, this is entirely too much and entirely not. It doesn't 
draw from the same well as the Gene Wilder does, right? He's trying to do a Gene Wilder while not being Gene Wilder, right? Yes, and the problem is, again, like, he's, he and a lot of the other people are kind of, or not a lot of the other people, but, like, some of the others are playing the roles like they're playing it for the back seats. The effect when you shoot that up close, when you have the benefit of, like, film technique, is that it is off the fucking charts. It is a lot. It's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. I will. I will absolutely. I would I, venture so far as to say too much. I mean, sometimes it's too much. I think. I think the movie strikes a d- decent balance between that too much and not too much. It comes hot out of the gate, though. Yes. Like that first twenty minutes is like an assault. But I think it settles really well into itself as it goes uh, on. Anyway. I think the more of the supporting cast that's introduced, the better it gets. I will say my biggest issue with this movie, uh, before I get into all the things I like, is actually um, Will Ferrell in the first act. I think is way too up. Like, way, like even more out there than Broderick. I, I, I like Will Ferrell, but Will Ferrell's there basically to do a funny German accent and yell. And like, you know what? It works really well in a couple of scenes, like um when he does um Hagen uh, Sieger hörst das Deutsche Band. When he does like, his song, yeah. It's like that's a really good bit for him because it's more low key than fucking uh Guten Tag Hopklop, which is like he's that's, too that was high. very it's sweaty. Like, <laughs> I think like the first half hour of this movie is just like it's it it doesn't always know what they level got the it wants Nazi to be at. Bands and shit. Oh I'm, my god! Fuck. I mean. Uh, Again, it was it's like oh, it was a more a, innocent time, I guess. Yes, it was. It's like we didn't have neo Nazis running around everywhere. It was it was a. They didn't funny. have as many, and they weren't as vocal, and they weren't fucking given free reign on a social media I dearly love, but yeah, since abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But um, but no, I will say like uh, so the director Susan Stroman. Is, Susan Stroman. She directed the musical, the stage production musical itself, and literally won the Tony for best. Won the direction. Tony for best director. That's and true. also best choreography, which mm-hmm. is really cool. So I got um, some stats here. I pulled. I pulled some numbers. And this mm-hmm. is the only film she's ever directed. This is her one and done. Which and doesn't I'm, surprise me. As you as you hinted at, she is a uh, highly decorated choreographer, a nine-time Tony Award nominee for... And five-time best, winner. Best choreography. Five-time winner, four for choreography, one for direction for this very... For the, for the source material of this very of this very film. What's like, it's such a good stage musical. And guess like, what? The choreography in this is really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. turns out, right? Well, so the one thing I will, like, um, okay, so to continue going on about, like, the distinction between, like, Broadway and film, mm. most of the main cast is actually who was in the original Broadway cast. Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane, Matthew Broadway, Matthew Gary Beach, um, who plays Roger Debris, and uh, Roger Bart, who plays Carmen Roger Gia. Bart. Yeah. Who, like, I think Gary Beach and Roger Bart are undoubtedly the best parts of this movie. But we will get into that. We will in... get to that in due time, my friend. Yes. Um, I think Katie Huffman is a better... Uh, it's better Ula. Uh, yes, but that's because... Than, uh, I... than Uma Thurman? Yeah, but that's because I listen to like the Broadway cast more. Um... The genius of this film is having uh, Ma- Matthew Broderick in the Leo Bloom role, who stands five foot eight, and having Uma Thurman in the Ula role, who stands six feet even. 
It's so, so funny. So that's one for all you Talls and Smalls fans there. It's such a cute, like, visual gag every once in a while. Can I, tell like... kind of, can I tell kind of a weird story? Go for it. I was at a Christmas party this past holiday season, and uh, it was uh, at a co-worker's place who has a lot of, like, friends from, from Europe. And mm. I don't know what they have in the water in Europe, but everyone there was at least, like, six feet tall. Everyone's, bring... like, hella tall from Europe. Everyone's hella tall. So, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm six feet tall, but clearly I'm not because all these people are really fucking tall. So, and because I always thought, I, like, I measured myself once when I was, like, 16, and, oh, there we go. I'm six feet tall. Right on. And so we get the, so we get, like, a tape measure, and we actually, because, like, I, I had to know, right? I was surrounded by all these tall people. I love that you literally got a tape measure out of party. We got party. a tape measure out. We got a tape measure out of the party. <laughs> And put my back up against the wall, and this six foot three red German redhead measures me, and whoop, whips out the tape, and not your five foot nine. It's like, oh man, I'm five foot nine, and I was having like a crisis of confidence because I'm I'm actually am in actuality three inches shorter than I actually thought I was. Aww. But then I ha- but then I had the, the moment. It's like, okay, I'm being dunked on by a six foot three German redhead about how I'm not as tall as her. I have walked into someone's fetish video. Oh my god, you kind of have, and I it's kind like, of... I'm really into that, actually. And it's and it's like, like, that's my this fetish This is so video. weird. This is a very specific situation that I'm sure some people find very hot to get like get dunked on by someone seven inches taller than them for not for being short I'm or shorter. I'm really into that conceptually. It's like, I wish... It's like I'm imagining it as a porn scene already, and it's like, it's Please so don't. <laughs> I apologize for that. Oh my god, but I'm taller than you. That's cute. I mean, I... So, like, my stats, so far as I understand them, is five nine and a half, two fifty. Cool. Um, I'm five eleven, two fifty. Call me, call me Derek, the five foot nine and a half. Wow. That half inch really does the job. Because it's a it's a play on right uh, on Royce the five five foot nine from uh, a tribe called Quest. Oh, that's right. So we're basically almost the same size and shape. You're a little taller way. than me, though. Yeah, like an, an inch and a half. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, turns out I'm the squat motherfucker of the two. Woo. Um. <laughs> anyway, so so I, I I hope we awaken something in someone out there that's like, yeah, it is hard to be dunked on by Continentals half a foot taller than you. Back to Uma Thurman and Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. I do love the way it's like. I think those proportions really play into the staging of some of the numbers really, really beautifully. Like I think um, that face is mm-hmm. so 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 well executed because of that. Good it's dead just, sequence on that one. It is. It's just, uh, I have like issues with it because I do think like some of the numbers feel like they're being played too loudly. But like, mm, I think you're telling me. I think the way she shoots a lot of the numbers shows that like she is a stage director. Mm-hmm. She wants to show as much of the number as possible. So like all of those wide shots in the movie are like so good because like. They show you the dance number. They show you mm-hmm. the sequence. And they also, like, incorporate some of the visual gags that may or may not play super well on stage, but they play well in, like, the background of a shot. Or, like, they play well in the semi-forefront or, like, the tail end of a song. And it does it really, like, simply but, like, lovingly. It's like you can tell someone made this who loves, 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 loves the material to a fault at times. I agree. I also really wish that they would have taken more advantage of the fact that it was a film. I don't disagree. You know, like, there's, 
Like my favorite number of the whole film was the one at the accountant office. Yes. Uh, one of the best numbers. They've got like, first of all, John Lovitz is really good, even though he's like in there for five minutes. Yeah. Well, he's always and good. First of all, the set is great. It's like a deep set that they couldn't have gotten on stage, I think. No, probably not. And you've got all the dudes at the adding machine, like at the beginning of the apartment. So uh, Matthew Broderick's character goes into this entire sort of giant dream sequence. And then you've got the, the file cabinets that start to rumble and showgirls come out of them. So and fucking good. Then the whole number happens, which is, you know, fine, if, if a little long, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then then it like it starts, it gets to the climax, and then it just cuts to a shot of Broderick's pencil lead breaking. And I'm like, yes, more of that, please. And the movie doesn't deliver on that promise, really. I mean, I think it does occasionally. I think, like, um, I think Fat Face is, like, the best example of striking a delicate balance between film and broadway and i also think um springtime for hitler um okay but like think of it just on a technical on level. a technical level yeah sure i mean that it's, number it's very is shot like a film oh man fucking john barrow john barrowman's in that looks like he's in fucking starship troopers or something. oh my god he does it's so it's such a good outfit uh, it's uh a, it's no perfect... it's a fucking it's a fucking ss uniform it's not... i know but it's a perfect costuming it's like, oh. it's like the perfect casting choice for her. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He true. is like the epitome of what like that is. Um, but anyway, yeah. If only Casper Van Dien could sing, <laughs> that would be an interesting, interesting visual. Uh, maybe we'll get to it. I mean, Starship Troopers three is still at fifty percent. So okay. So I'm curious to know how you felt about like individual music num- musical numbers. So obviously, our first one is um, it's the worst show in town. Um, I, well, I, I think you're baiting me, but, um, well, no, I, cause I do actually want to like, I would like to hear you talk about these individual issues that you had. So I figured going down the line of musical numbers would be a good way of like accessing all of those things. Well, there's a lot of songs and I don't know if you want to have like a two hour long podcast about this. Well, no, I mean, I think we can like roll through them pretty quickly. Not every song matters. Right off the top. Um, like, as you know, I am Canadian and musical theater doesn't have the cultural foothold that it does in the States. Mm-hmm. So I haven't like we like our, like we were talking off mic about this how our theater students like our like theater kids like put on like the classics you know they like Moliere and Ionesco and like Theater of the Absurd and shit like that musical theater not really a thing that's so depressing I know I definitely like I I, I did plays in high school and no no musicals it was all just plays that is genuinely so depressing to me I mean it was cool I mean you got to play pretend and and say things. No, I know, but like it's like it's not musical theater. Musical theater is so theater. good. I think it's very specifically a U.S. cultural thing. I mean, yeah, probably. unless you're from Toronto. Which well, I'm no, not. I think I think I mean like I think the U.K. has plenty of sure, like, sure, but I'm like talking like West in, End. I'm talking like North America. That's fair, fine. And this is something that goes back to like, like watching like Marx Brothers movies for me is like jokes done in chorus don't land for me. Jokes done in chorus definitely land for me. It's not that they're unfunny because I will read the lyrics and ah, there is a joke there, haha. But in the moment, jokes done in chorus don't land for me. Oh uh, no, see, like in the moment, like I don't like. This is not a musical theater thing necessarily. This is just like sort of a creative choice. Yeah, you know, it always works for me. It's like I love, I love, love. Like lyrics are my favorite, mostly my favorite part of musicals. So it's like listening to how people 
spread out jokes through a comedy number is like that's uh, I get off on that like that's so good to me I love I love a good comedy number it's like there's a reason why Sondheim is like my favorite lyricist it's like he can say so much in a number and like he can break your heart in one and then like kill you with laughter in the next one and it's like every single joke is so well placed yeah it's just a technical thing it's literally just a technical thing Uh, that's fair it's fair but uh, i mean i mean the music's fine i mean i'm not super into the idiom Mm -hmm. but you know i mean uh, like i said i wasn't weaned on it so i don't have like the appetite for it right which is fine um but i know you had so that would obviously play into issues with like most of the songs in this movie are yeah, built on yeah, 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 yeah. built on jokes within chorus. Like the drink champagne till you puke joke, I wouldn't have drink gotten. Drink champagne till I puke. It's See, so the good. fact that if he wouldn't have said it himself and it was just a chorus joke, it would have flown right past me. Really? Yeah. That's, I'm like, I'm so sad for you. Maybe uh, that's just like the fact that the speakers on my TV suck and my TV sucks, but jokes don't work in like chorus jokes don't work for me okay like on a, mean, on a technical level not that they're unfunny on the page their method of delivery flattens the joke for me so obviously like a number of not that many songs but like a few songs a few. have have that kind one of one could say most no i don't think most i would say like maybe half tops another number that's like a lot of supporting voices but mm-hmm. only one main voice which i believe you took issue with and yet, I find that most people I know adore. Um, most queer people I know find it hilarious. Again, I posted literally one video of this song on Instagram and got seven different messages from people saying, Oh my god, I love this movie. Keep it um, gay, keep it gay, keep it gay. Oh my god, you sound just like Shirley Markowitz. God damn it, Juan, designer. no! I'm so proud. You even dress like Shirley Markowitz. Oh my lord. Um, so my okay, so like keep it. First of all, I want I want I want it on the record that I didn't do a butch voice on purpose. That's just my voice. That's just Derek. (laughs) Um Um, Yeah, uh here's the thing. There there weren't any jokes in chorus. This was a lot of this is more of a uh of a like people were like sort of trading lines. Yes, of course. But there was no chorus joke. Yeah, no. Um no, not at all, which is yeah, why I, I kind of wanted we, to segue into this. We've got to talk about this number one because I don't think that shit was funny at all. <laughs> I, I find, I don't know why I find Keep It Gay so amusing. I don't think I can like properly explain it. I think, oh man, I think something that I can hazard a guess, but <laughs> well, okay, no. So I think something Mel Brooks has been very good at doing throughout his career is taking like these ridiculous stereotypes mm-hmm. and like playing, poking fun at them. And it's like, keep it gay i mean the producers as a whole is very much like taking everything to a special level of ridiculous Mm -hmm. obviously like you have gay people you have neo-nazis you have like producers fucking people for money it's like everything in this level in this movie is like high camp just funny ridiculousness and keep it gay is the embodiment of like every single gay stereotype physically possible yes, it shoved is. into a number to showcase <laughs> how fucking ridiculous it is that like gay people are always seen as this. I mean, I can't like, I was sitting there watching this and I was like, I can't laugh at this. Oh my God. But you can, because it's I don't hilarious. think I can, man. It's so funny. Like, I don't think it's funny though. 
I mean, like the, again, that's the totally joke, okay. The joke is, look at how look look at how queenie these guys are. Look at how butch this person is. But like, I don't think it's fucking funny. You know, it may be problematic of me and like every queer person I apparently know who who loves it. But like, I think it's hilarious. Here's I think it's thing. absolutely hilarious to poke fun at cultural stereotypes. Sure, and I guess that but... said. I understand how someone could see this as like just embracing those stereotypes further. And it's not like a, it's not like a like a Rocky Horror thing where it's like ah oh, in the guise of oh transgression and all this noise or or even a Bruce LeBruce thing where it's like we are deliberately doing this on purpose to make the straights uncomfortable. Well no no it's not doing it to make the straights uncomfortable. No but no I no. I think I I I can't laugh at that in good conscience man. I can. I can because I know... You think you like, can because you're gay? Well, it's because, like, because I'm gay, because the actors playing it are gay. It's like, I... I don't know, like, that always makes me slightly more comfortable. It's like, Roger Bart and Gary Beach, one, oh are God. incredibly talented actors, both. No, not to dunk for their acting skills, because they're certainly pouring heart and soul into this. But, like, you can tell there's, like... Like, there's a... There's, they're laughing it's laughing with the characters not laughing at them when we see roger bard for the first time he's holding the telephone between his middle finger and his thumb <laughs> and and it's the, the voice and the haircut and like it's, it's so good <laughs> it's like, so funny like I, I i i i i can't you know like i've i've stopped laughing at like I, 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 I can't. I just can't. I, I, I can't laugh at this. What's I like can't do I, it. <laughs> I, I almost wonder it like it it's one of those things that like makes me really curious. Like, am I only laughing because I'm gay? And it's like because like I know that sometimes like we're all really fucking exaggerated sometimes. It's like like <laughs> I hate saying like the theatricality of it all is The gay like, shit has aged really bad, man. Not to me, because like again, I'm literally surrounded by like queer people and drag queens all the uh -huh. time who like this is this is us it's like we're absolutely that ridiculous and like yes we do not play into stereotypes that much but like realistically like it's, there's it's like there's a lot of stereotypical things that happen See, around honestly, me i don't know if this is like a weaponized stereotype you know this isn't I like don't basic think instinct it's harsh right? enough to be a weaponized stereotype but i also don't think it's passive enough where it isn't it's somewhere in the middle, and it's an iffy ground no, to be on. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe I feel because it's so front and center, it's so key to these characters, that that's why I don't find it funny. I mean, fair. It's, again, I have, like, I have no issues with you not finding it funny. I just think it's fucking... I will, like... Well, let, let, me, let me kind of flip it on you. What if I thought this was fucking hilarious, and it was, like, <laughs> like knee-slappingly, just, like, the best shit in the world? I would question why you thought so, but, like... Exactly, exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> Maybe I just don't get to find it funny. Maybe that's just it. I just Maybe don't get to find it. this funny. Maybe that's absolutely it. That's very possible. And, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay because we're keeping it gay. Um, <laughs> you know, no um, matter what you do on this podcast, keep it light, keep it bright, keep it gay. I feel like that's more your job than mine. I mean, it really is, though. It's like... It's like... <laughs> 
<laughs> it has like, so many of my favorite stupid, stupid gags in this fucking movie. Are yeah, like there's a, in there's a fucking brain. boner joke in this. Oh my god. <laughs> this movie is so horny. This movie is this so movie is puerile. The horniest movie in the world. What's, again, uh, like... <laughs> fucking Nathan Lane, the well-hung stable boy and the virgin milkmaid the right well off the top. stable boy. <laughs> there's fucking Uma Thurman, like... When shaking her shit it's like literally i it's love like, that oh it's, this movie's so horny it is so well it's like I, like the, it's, the original the, like the producers from the 60s was kind of horny still but a lot more neurotic this no, is just like, melbourne's turned it up to yeah, like yeah this 20. is this is way hornier this is a dirty movie y'all but it's so fun because of it's like uh-huh. You have Keep It Gay, which is super horny. You have When You've Got It, Flaunt It, which is super horny. It's like, I think my favorite line immediately oh, after that man. song is, um, you know, we may be sitting down right now, but we're giving you a standing ovation. And I just, I, I uh-huh. it's, it's such a it's, good joke. I can appreciate puerile shit. It's so the, funny. The, the, it's so much. It's so much. But then you get like Alon Cambiali, which is literally just like, him fucking all the old little old ladies and it's like it's ugh, that that musical number is so well done see like Again, that's something great, you can't great choreography this is yeah. filmic yeah yeah that one's super filmic um, i can't believe you will you will go to bat for take it for keep it gay <laughs> i will i think i think it's so funny i would perform that like i would absolutely perform oh that. no doubt I don't doubt that for a hot second. Like, like Roger Elizabeth Debris is like absolutely like a role I would happily play. Oh, That's like a Lord. golden role. If I ever do the producers, like if I ever do a reading of the producers, I will, I will place myself in that role. It's like nobody's gonna play that but me because that's me. I am absolutely like a mess and a narcissist and like, hella gay. And it's like, yeah, that's that's me. So I guess that le- I guess that leaves me in the Leo Bloom role. Oh my God, you kind of you absolutely no. Would you be? Yeah, you would be Leo Bloom. I don't. I don't think I have the kind of uh, boisterousness required for a Max Bielestock. Yeah, true. No, you wouldn't be Max Bielestock. <laughs> but um, moving along to one of the other biggest numbers that I believe was problematic uh. for you, um, <laughs> which again, I, I don't know if it's well. It definitely is. Well, it's it's complex. Let's yes, put it that yes, way. Yes, it is a layered layered discussion to be Ooh, having man. i'm actually it's like a shame that like this movie wasn't made like three years later so we could have like you know like the producer's 10th anniversary discussion on like nazis and, our and culture. What, yeah, it's like nazis and queerness and what it means to us today um, oh man i forgot like ah uh, okay so springtime for hitler yes the the musical the big musical number you got you got the the honey voice john barrowman looking oh. like a Looking like fucking Casper Van Dien and Starship Troopers. God, it's like, this is the one time I'm, like, not that attracted to him, but, like, God, that man is delicious. Bleach Blonde. No, it's like, it doesn't do it for me. I can't, it's like, I'm uncomfortable with that visual, <laughs> which is a good and thing, I guess. Like, the, the the chorus girls in, like, sexy SS uniforms. <laughs> it's like, uh, Uma Thurman doing the Iron Eagle. It's like, so... oh... It's such a high the Bubsy the Bubsy Berkeley style not swastika. Oh my god, yes. It's like, oh. Which like again, this is another number that is very very film. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I think like the the trick for that is just have a big ass mirror, right? Yes. I mean, I think it does well at doing both 
film and stage in a number. I think it's like one of the best examples of that. That oh. and um, we can do it, and I want to be a producer. Um, mm. And also that face. But um, anyway. Oh, come on. A, <laughs> this well, okay. number is not aged well. I, I don't agree. I think, I mean, obviously we can discuss the fact that like it is harder to laugh at this in today's time period, but I think it is a point to like laugh at this it's sure because like, you gotta dunk on nazis exactly but i the the image of like an effete hitler is so potent it's like it's it's kind of like a playing with fire thing it's like it's like ah oh, nazis are nazis suck let's make fun of them but the like sort of core central image of like an effete hitler is 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 very potent and very difficult to kind of like unpack it's kind of a loaded layered image to just kind of have as like a gag you know but like it's not a one-time gag though no 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 it's, no, no. it's not a one-time gag but that cultural image i feel in this context i feel like it's like it's like using a chainsaw to cut paper you know i mean fair i don't know if i agree there's a lot to unpack because oh it's just it's so much it's just like my mind just goes into hyperdrive just trying to unpack it a little bit. And here it is in the middle of this mm-hmm. fart musical with, like, boner jokes and shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like... I, it's, I think it's, like, the sort of parodic pompousness of it that doesn't help. Like, that kind of, like... Pompousness? Not, 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 like, the kind of, like, gung-ho, parodic, boisterousness, like... Like, the gung-ho-ness of it, which I, is the joke... Which yes. it's it, but it's kind of in line with this movie being too much for me. Yes, as we've as we've definitely established. But again, I do also love the fact that like the number is very much all about. I mean, it's not just about making fun of Nazis, but it's also about the way that like obviously the it's like the quote unquote plot twist, and it's the way mm. people shift. It's what you were saying yeah. earlier on. It's that shift from seeing a bad thing as bad to so bad it's good. Yeah. And obviously, like, you know, Max Bialystok and Leo Bloom saw um, Roger as, like, the worst director in the world. But it turns out he's, like, the ideal camp actor. And it's that is the trigger. It's like, once you misinterpret something as satire, Mm. everything changes. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think we just like different flavors of excess. Yes. This is not yes, this is not mine, so. but I think it's yours. Well, it's like again this number kind of embodies everything that I love about theatricality. It's I mean obviously theatricality is very theater in general is very different, but like I like these like big productions. I'm all here for not always some of them suck, but like you know, I love that sort of gaudy excess and I, you know, like at Boz Lerman, I love Boz Lerman's films and they're all like mm. excessive they're all very critiqued for that fact, which I don't agree with. Um, but like the producers has a lot of that in springtime for Hitler in particular is like the big show tune number, like grand stopping everything, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, it's, uh... I don't know. I love this movie. I really enjoy this movie. I think it has issues and I've, I have conceded and I have agreed with you on some of these issues, but like, I think it's a very good goddamn movie. I don't. It's there's a lot fine. to like. There are lots of parts of this, like individual parts of this I like. But put together, 
it's too much. I I don't think I don't think I've been like the fact that I've not been sort of you know steeped in the musical theater culture probably doesn't help, but I don't think this idiom works for me. In shown in this way, fair, entirely. So, fair. final judgments. I'm gonna have to give this a rotten. Not uh, for lack of there being good things in this movie, because there are, but as a there, it's it's lesser than the sum of its parts. Let's put it that way. Also, fine. I don't think the gay shit and the Nazi shit has aged well. So, fine. Again, I disagree. I think it's I I give it a fresh. I think it's a very good movie. Um. It's got minor issues, but like, I think it's it works for me. But up, up. Uh, you know, it's that's, that's that, that's, I guess. It's okay, Derek, because you know, um, nothing ever really mattered till him. <laughs> um, till you, Derek, till you. Ah, oh, man, it's, it's you know. That was a bad reference. I could have done better. Um, Maybe we should just go on to recommendations. Yeah, we should. All right, so uh, since it was my pick, you go ahead and pick your recommendation first. I am... uh, I actually wanted... uh, My first uh, thought was to do The Lion King because Nathan Lane Lane and Matthew Broderick. This movie actually Mm -hmm. kind of plays better if it's like... If you think it's adult Simba and Timon just having a rough go of it. (laughs) <laughs> I could get but, into that. Um, mm, I am, and I've already recommended Young Frankenstein, I think. That you have, I believe so, yes. Uh, so, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to do The Lion King. That's a great movie. Do it. That's just a solid movie. Great animation, good songs. Yeah, no, and uh, good voice it. cast. You know, you know, I'm not, all, I'm not all about getting celebrities, like big celebrities, to do voices in these movies. But you got a pretty good cast in this movie, right? You got James Earl Jones, you got uh, Jeremy Irons, you got Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty no. decent, and uh, yeah, it's just really Rowan Atkinson plays Zazu. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's really good. I mean, that that holds up. It's. It's one of the best Disney movies. A, a great, a, a great epic Shakespearean tale. Yeah, with animals and shit. So, uh, so yeah, The Lion King. Get on it. Um, I'm also going to recommend a movie with an animal in the title. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So I'm gonna go with another very gay movie made okay. by a straight person. Um, a gay movie. Are you? Oh, oh, I know what you're doing. Does it also star Robin Williams? Yes, it does. Ah. It is uh, The Birdcage, yeah. which is also an adaptation of a play, uh, which I felt was was appropriate. Um, and it's like, again, I love Mike Nichols with all of my heart. Um, like, That's right, it's a Mike Nichols joint. <laughs> he was like by far one of my favorite filmmakers. Elaine May helped make the screenplay. It's like you mm-hmm. can't, I mean, like I love her as well. I, I love The Birdcage. I think it's a hilarious movie. Another movie that, like, occasionally gets, like, misjudged for its, like, high camp gay representation. Um, yeah, the the Hank Azaria role probably hadn't aged very well either. But, I, like, yeah, no. No, not, not that well. Not very well. <laughs> and but, Nathan Lane, Robin Williams, that seems pretty... It's pretty steady. Pretty steady, but Hank Azaria is like... Ooh, we gotta rewrite that shit real good. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but no, like I, just, I love that movie. 
um, it's so funny, it's so Miami, it's so delightful. That's and right, it's a Miami movie, too. Yeah, and it has Christine Baranski, the love of my life, who is literally a perfect human being uh, who will hopefully never do me wrong. And, <laughs> and, well. um, and plus The Good Fight, which is her spinoff of The Good Wife, starts up again in a couple of weeks, so I am... Or no, literally next week, so I'm... Or no, well, no, Well, not when this is going to... Like, this is probably going to come out in March, so it'll probably have started. And either either late March or early April, because we're recording a bunch of these today. Good point. And Christine Baranski's spinoff of The Good Wife, which is The Good Fight, which is on CBS All Access, here to promote... <laughs> Shout out like, to CBS, I guess. Hit me up, CBS. I need a free year. She's amazing. I'm so glad that show is back in my life. And I love her with all of my heart. And then I get Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again this year as well. Uh, mm. what, a, what a life. What a life I lead. Another wonderful musical that's probably... That one's actually probably going to be a mess, but I don't care. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Real, real, real question. And I don't mean this in like an antagonistic way. Hit why me. would I? Why in the hell would I watch Mamma Mia when I can just listen to Abba Gold? I mean, because Mamma Mia is just... Okay, so like I'm gonna I'm gonna give a quick miniature speech about Mamma Mia. I think Mamma Mia, the movie, is like the best embodiment of the fun of a musical stage production. And I think like it is one of those movies where like I genuinely believe it is a good movie because like it is decently made. I don't think everyone is a perfect singer in it, but like it is a solidly made movie where I can tell that every single person in that goddamn cast is having a much of a blast making the movie as I am watching it. And, like, I I think it embodies the spirit of the musical in a wonderful way. And it is very filmed. It's not, like, a stage production on screen. And it's gorgeous scenery. And it's just... It's, like... I mean, obviously it plays, like, karaoke versions of, like, ABBA's greatest hits. But, like, I'm okay with that. All right, you heard it here first. I'm also a piece of shit for jukebox musicals. So, oh lord. Okay, we well we'll save this before. for another time. Yeah, another time. So, yeah. so, um, that's all for today. I'll let Derek take it away with his exciting, exciting speech. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the next one we're going to do is actually a rewatch for me. So I thought we'd have a little fun. Mm-hmm. Some good old, some good, some 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 nice clean fun. So in the spirit of that. Uh, the next movie we're going to be talking about on the Stuck in the Middle with You podcast is going to be Maniac Cop from 1988, di- directed by William Lustig and written by Larry Cohen. So it's going to be good times and bad times. You know I've had my share. <laughs> yep. So uh, I guess plug time, right? Yeah, hit it. So Juan and I run a website called Dim the House Lights. You can find it at dimthehouselights.com. There you can find all matter of essays, reviews, capsules, uh, film-related nonsense uh, written by me or by Juan or by any member of our writing team, which includes Michelle Arf, Chris Mello, and Ross Burks. Uh, You can find Juan's work uh, here and there, everywhere, but specifically in the Miami New Times. Uh, This is in print and online, right? Yeah, mostly online. Okay, mostly online. You can find my online work at my portfolio website, which is... What the fuck is my... Oh, yeah. MontrealSchlockCity.com. That's Montreal, S-C-H-L-O-C-K, city.com. You can find us both on Twitter and Letterboxd. I'm at both places, at Derek underscore G. And Juan is at both places as Whoa, It's Juanito. That's W-O-A-H, It's Juanito, all one word. I think that's it. Nice. We did it. We did it. 
So that's that for today. And, uh, well, we will see you in two weeks. Stay tuned.